This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. The Tokyo Olympics has been postponed once and the will they, won't they over whether they will happen has been highly speculated on. This week, though, they take a step closer to it's happening with the traditional torch relay kicking off. So we take you through just why the Olympics are such a big deal anyway, the impact of postponing them and how organisers are now planning to pull it off. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Even though it was 20 years ago, Claire, the image of Kathy Freeman lighting the cauldron to signal the start of the 2000 Sydney Summer Olympic Games is one of the big moments in Aussie history. Not because it momentarily broke. Let's park <laughs> that. <laughs> Forget about that. We've moved on. <laughs> but because the Olympics are a really big deal. They are, including the Summer and Winter Games, every two years we get an Olympics, really. Uh, they bring together the best athletes in the world from all over the world. And in the numbers, it varies games to games. But to give you a sense, at the Sydney Olympics, there were upwards of 10,000 athletes from 199 countries who competed. 112,000 people attended the opening ceremony alone. And there was an audience of 3.7 billion people who tuned in to watch. So it's big and it's especially a big deal for the host country. They have to fight it out to be selected by the International Olympic Committee and then they have to cough up a lot of money to be the host. Looking at our very own Olympics in Sydney in 2000, it was a massive undertaking. And whilst the figures differ, many say that it cost around $6.5 billion to put together. That doesn't include the wider costs for urban and transport infrastructure. The New South Wales government estimated that the Sydney Olympics generated $653 million in additional tax revenues from visitors. But despite those figures, it still left a loss of around $1.3 billion. So if that's the case, I guess the question is, why do cities and nations want to host the Olympics? Well, there's plenty of evidence that point to the fact that they're wildly popular with Mm. the public and it's good to feel good about something that's happening in your jurisdiction. Uh, In 2013, when Japan won the bid uh, for the 2020 Games, the International Olympic Committee found that public support for hosting the Games there was 70% uh, of people who lived in Tokyo. It's also good for temporary jobs and it does bring additional revenue in the form of hundreds of thousands of sponsors there's media, uh, athletes and spectators, and it puts the host country in the international spotlight, which many say benefit future trade and tourism. Don't tell that to an economist, though. Many argue that both the short and long-term benefits of hosting the Games are exaggerated and leave the host countries with large debts and maintenance liabilities. On the other hand, as she touched on, Claire, critics say that doesn't consider the economic return on infrastructure that's built during the Games or the feel-good factor. Ah, the Olympic spirit, hey? And it's not just a feeling. There's a whole charter about it. It's 106 pages long and haven't read all of it, I have to confess. 
best, but to summarise it, uh, this is the quote, the goal of the Olympic movement is to contribute to building a peaceful and better world by educating youth through sport practised without discrimination of any kind and in the Olympic spirit. And it's that spirit of friendship, solidarity and fair play that's a good thing. Oh, it gives me goosebumps, Claire. And don't forget, (laughs) Australia is looking set to have another Olympics come our way. Brisbane is the front runner to secure the 2032 Summer Games. This spirit is something that's been talked about in light of that Olympic bid. Of course, 2032 seems a long way off, but to organise something that big, getting started now is necessary. The Olympics are a huge undertaking, as are postponing an Olympics. Let's get into how the organisers of Tokyo have handled that now. It was the 25th of March last year, Claire, when former Prime Minister of Japan Shinzo Abe and the International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach announced that they would reschedule the 2020 Summer Olympic and Paralympic Games to 2021, the first postponement of any Olympics in its 124-year modern history. Yeah, they're now scheduled to start on July 23 with the Paralympics from the 24th of August. Like you said, it's the first ever postponement of an Olympic. Olympic Games, but the Games have been cancelled before. That happened in 1916, 1940 and 1944. Of course, that was during the First and Second World Wars. One of those was planned to be a Tokyo Games, so Japan really hasn't had the best of luck when it comes to the Olympics. No, it really hasn't. As we've just stepped through, Olympics don't come cheap. This time around, COVID has been a major blow for the country, not only because they've been counting down to the events since they won the bid in 2013. It's also a huge financial setback. And the numbers are hard to nail down, but reports are saying that Japan has spent more than $12 billion on the event. But according to local organising committees, uh, the one-year postponement of the Games has caused that cost to balloon to more than $15 billion. Audits by the Japanese government over the last several years, though, think that that number could be much higher. They estimate the cost to be at least $25 billion. So for a bit of perspective, when Japan was awarded the Games in 2013, Tokyo said the Olympics will cost about $7.5 billion. So mm. however you look at it, it's a lot more. And this was all at the beginning of the pandemic. Since then, Japan's economy, like many across the world, has taken a huge beating. Yeah, Japan's the world's third largest economy and last year it shrank by 4.8% over the year. Uh, it's the first contraction of the Japanese economy since 2009. The country was already struggling with low economic growth before the pandemic, but between April and June last year, it suffered that big decline. So whilst it's a huge cost, the athletes themselves are a big consideration in the cancellation. Uncertainty and training schedules aren't the best couple. Which is why the decision to postpone was welcomed by many in the international community, Mm. uh, including the Australian Olympic Committee boss, Matt Carroll, who said that it was a relief for athletes who'd undergone quite a period of uncertainty. Even though it's looking likely, that uncertainty still hasn't disappeared for the athletes. To help with that, the International Olympic Committee has said that 
if the games don't happen in July, they won't take place at all. And part of the reason for that is also due to scheduling. Uh, Further delay would impinge on the Winter Olympics in 2022. They're due to take place in Beijing in February. And also there's the Paris Olympic Games in 2024. That's not that far on the horizon. So another reason is cost. Like we said earlier, the postponement has left Japan with a really hefty shortfall to cover. So delaying it again would make those costs even more difficult to deal with. Yeah, it's a step too far. Certainly an anxious time for so many people but at this stage it looks like they will go ahead. Assuming that is the case they won't be the games as we know them though. Let's look at what we can expect now. There's so much more to an Olympics than the sport itself, Claire. There's plenty of ceremony for one thing. To go back again to 2000, who can forget John Farnham and Olivia Newton-John serenading the athletes, <laughs> Nikki Webster, Kylie Minogue. We've mentioned Kathy Freeman lighting the cauldron. This year, though, there won't be much of that. No, that's right. Advertising executive Hiroshi Sasaki has said that they've had to ditch the lavish and really flashy presentations that were planned mm-hmm. uh, instead of an extravagant opening ceremony that would feature choreographed shows, hundreds of performers, traditional procession of athletes parading in front of thousands of fans. Uh, He says that we'll need to expect something a lot more simple. We don't quite know exactly what that looks like, but billions will tune in, no doubt, to see how they do it. Regardless. And that might be the only way international fans can watch the Games. In fact, it's not going to be a spectator-friendly event at all, really. No, sadly, it's it's not starting with the Olympic torch relay. Uh, it'll travel through all 47 Japanese districts, but no one can go and see it. Only participants and invitees at this stage. And as I touched on just over the weekend, organisers confirmed no one from overseas, so no international visitors will be welcome to attend the Olympics this year. That, of course, is amid concerns over the pandemic. Uh, the Olympic Organising Committee says that it will refund all tickets sold overseas, including at least 600 thousand uh, for the Olympics and 30,000 for the Paralympics. Yeah, it's a lot of tickets. Also impacting this decision is how the public in Japan feel about international spectators coming to their city. There's been a few surveys around this. One newspaper showed 77% of respondents were against uh, allowing international fans to attend versus just 18% in favour. Mm. Uh, and when we look at the numbers around any spectators, it's a bit more fairly split. About 48% said that they're against any audience at all, including local audiences. 45% were in favour. Pretty much 50-50 there, and there's still no final word on whether Japanese fans might be able to attend the Games. That final decision will be made in April uh, based on the number of infections in Japan and also looking at other countries, uh, possible epidemic prevention measures and, of course, the expert scientific advice. So for those wondering, how bad is COVID in Japan? Japan so far avoided a big dose of coronavirus, uh, certainly on the scale of what's been seen in Europe and the US. There's been about 450,000 local infections, about 8,800 COVID-related deaths. Uh, Also, they're looking, uh, like other Western countries, at having a mass vaccination program really in full swing in the coming months. 
And while we're talking about the vaccine, the athletes aren't required to get the jab for the Games, but the IOC has taken on board an offer from the Chinese Olympic Committee to make doses available for participants. It's an offer that Australia's Olympic Committee says that our athletes won't be much interested in. Uh, What that committee is doing, though, is working with the Australian government to have those travelling to Tokyo vaccinated by the time they leave. It's just one of the things aspiring Olympians have had to consider on their journey to Tokyo. And Claire, things will be different again for them once they get there. Yeah, so to start with, they'll arrive at different times. Australian Olympic Committee boss Matt Carroll has said that athletes won't arrive until four or five days before their competition Mm. and that they'll leave within 48 hours after they're done and there'll be little downtime. Every Olympics we hear stories about athletes letting off steam in the Olympic Village. Uh, There was a great story about Usain Bolt eating a thousand uh, chicken nuggets. That's what he did (laughs) as he spent his time in that village. Uh, But the restrictions mean that there won't be much time for any fun and games and uh, they'll be in the village, they'll go to training facilities, they'll go to the competition and that's about it. I guess time will tell as to what that kind of setup does for any records that might be looking to be broken. We will wait and see. Overall, really, the general mood in Japan can be best summed up by the Japanese phrase shikata ganai, which means... It all can't be helped. Probably a (laughs) phrase we can use for most things in the past year, Claire. And that's your shortcut to making the Tokyo Olympics happen. Now, on to our recommendations. One of the things we've done since the beginning of Squiz Shortcuts, of course, Claire, is give a recommendation on some further reading, listening or watching. It's all watching for me. Of course, Kathy Freeman's famous 400 metre run. Got to put a link to that in there. But Nikki Webster's performance. Bet you haven't watched that twice. <laughs> Gee, that's a while ago. It really does date you, doesn't it? If that's a highlight. Yeah, of course, 20 years since the Sydney Olympics last year got quite a bit of mention. Um, for me, it was an Australian story episode, Roy and HG talking about how they put together the dream, uh, which was the program that was on Channel 7, remember, that was quite a highlight for me during those Olympics. It was very funny. That was fantastic. That's a great one. We'll put a link to all those recommendations in your episode notes. Whilst we're on this, don't forget we have a brand new podcast, Sport Today, out each weekday. It drops at 4pm and in under eight minutes, Greg and Gemma will get you across all the big sports news. They'll cover both local and international news, plus some of the quirky bits and pieces you probably won't have heard elsewhere just search for sport today wherever you get your podcasts that's all from us until next week where i think we're going to try and give you the background to what on earth is going on with property prices (laughs) until next week (laughs) 